0: Welcome, folks, to the F1 Files. I am your co-host, Corey Willis, and with me is my co-host. This is John Lepore. That's right. Coming in real hot with high energy. Uh, This is our uh, (laughs) Formula One podcast. We are just fucking fans. Wow, I've immediately dropped an F-bomb within the first 30 seconds of this perfect perfect i love it that sets up the tone uh so yeah we're we're gonna be doing a podcast here folks um we are big old formula one fans you know uh just just massive fans uh and way way back way way back yeah since since forever ago (laughs) um uh we're gonna get into that but uh just overall let's just let, let the folks know what this uh podcast is gonna be about um we are going to be analyzing the race weekends of course because who better to talk about uh, deep in-depth analysis than two extremely casual uh, somewhat surface level fans uh and we are also going to look at drivers and race teams uh every single week we will be profiling someone new uh or a new component of a team uh and then we're also going to make our predictions uh because who doesn't like to predict the outcomes of completely impossible things to uh predict the outcomes of
1: <laughs> so, yeah. so cory you're saying we're gonna go uh super deep and at the same time be completely surface level uh that is absolutely
0: right we're gonna hit this uh <laughs> as as thoroughly and completely as is possible uh which works i think that works uh for, for i mean what
1: what better for for formula one a sport that inherently has some tremendous complexity deep within mm-hmm. it um oh, yeah. while also has some some surface level excitement and engagement all around so uh, i'm oh, looking yeah. forward to this i'm really excited to be here for the inaugural episode and yeah. uh yeah i can't can't wait to get into uh into into more of this with you
0: buddy yeah. Yeah. Me too. I mean, geez. Uh, so John and I have been friends for decades at this point. Uh, we, uh, which feels horrible to say, but also is just the truth. It's just the truth of the matter. Um, we met in elementary school. Uh, we, we met during
1: the Senna Prost era. This that would is, be, uh, in, in the formula one timeline. 1989, yeah. I believe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so we're, <laughs> we're, we're
1: talking back. basically, uh, lifelong friends here, uh, yep. out on, on F1. We've been to a number of different races together, had some, uh, amazing times, uh, you know, sharing in, in our passion for the sport and yeah, we'll, we'll get into some of that with, with all of y'all and, and, and covers many of the relevant pieces that we can
0: yeah yeah and we've been uh and just as like some a little more history on us as fans uh i am uh my my claim to f one fandom fame uh is john uh john his his dad and uncle were uh were buddies uh were buddies were were uh were <laughs> Were also and our brothers, brothers uh, also <laughs> brothers. <laughs> uh, imagine that. Uh, they used to go to a race in uh, upstate New York at Watkins Glen. That was like something I I remember them disappearing and going uh, camping, but also. Uh, up to Watkins Glen to those race weekends. So.
1: Sebastian Vettel once said that Watkins Glen was the track he most wished that Formula One would revisit out of the the tracks that they don't get around to anymore. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so yeah, my my father and uncle. So like my my fandom definitely comes straight from my father and uncle. I used to, as a kid, wake up um, to the obnoxiously loud sound of. These like ESPN broadcasts with
0: but, uh, uh, beautifully, accents. Beautifully obnoxious. Beautifully obnoxious. Come on. Beautifully
1: Come obnoxious on. sounds. Uh, these ESPN, uh, back in the day it was ESPN and then eventually Speed Vision and then mm-hmm. the Speed Network and, uh, you know, all the way to NBC Sports and present day back to ESPN. But uh, hearing, hearing these broadcasts, hearing these insane uh, names – um, you know, hearing, you know, Nigel Mansell and Gerhard Berger and and all of these uh, these crazy folks and just having it sort of like burned into my subconscious from a very early age. Yeah. And I, I would say my fandom was really reignited during uh, as, as I became a, a little more of a of an adult on my own mm-hmm. right around the same time that uh, Lewis Hamilton's rookie season started yeah Uh, and so that's already showing you know a little bit of my my bias big big lewis hamilton fan over here i i try i i I would like to think that my bias is still uh uh very very fairly managed and and considered but we'll we'll i'm sure we'll be getting into it over over many episodes uh because there's a uh it always going to be a lot to talk about around uh around lewis but yeah, since uh, since then I've been pretty full up, die hard, like don't miss a race, uh, you know, and and absolutely uh, enamored with everything in the sport. And for me, you know, it's it's that blend of exciting, you know, athletic or sporting excellence, right? But also with all of these technical underpinnings. And I've always just been deeply fascinated by this this notion that like. If you, you know, uh, there's there's a number of people out there who work for NASA because they couldn't cut it in Formula One. And that to me is just so it's so cool. It's so, so badass. um, So fascinating.
0: Yeah. And just the that that kind of is where my my fandom has evolved into is the 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 more technical aspect of the sport. Uh, I, I am a huge fan of of the 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 culture and the legend of the old formula one days, uh, back in the, the Schumacher era. Uh, but I was not waking up every single morning with the, uh, or every weekend, um, with those sounds. Uh, so it wasn't, I didn't have, I didn't necessarily form the same attachment to, uh, to, to the sport. But then once I did form it just like all the things that i form an attachment to i form a real real tight attachment to it and get really really big into like how does this work uh and i'm also a big old lewis hamilton fan uh hey i mean i'm half black half white and of course um he's the only representation in that sport that i've ever seen and looked to and been like oh i could do that um even though i'm never going to be an eight time <laughs> world champion uh let alone a seven time world champion like he is now um uh, again I, I i am also a very biased person when it comes to uh who i am a fan of and uh what what livery and what team i end up backing usually but i'm going to try and be uh, as fair as is possible and it, uh, the 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 technical obsession uh is is a big thing that allows me to do that because holy shit. i mean like uh we're gonna talk so much about this uh, i'm sure over the the next uh, several months, but, um, like even seeing McLaren come in last year with like a brand new, uh, diffuser, like a dropped diffuser, uh, was just this like, Oh my God, I'm so obsessed with like the new tech on this. Uh, and I may have even reached out to you when that like dropped, uh, uh cause it, it just blew my mind. Um, uh, I was like, "Oh, uh, McLaren's back? Are they? Uh, is this it?" Um, uh, which is like, no, they clearly were not. But, uh, yeah, that's that's where my my fandom kind of rests. Uh, but we, ha- like, that's what kind. I, I, I think it's worth product.
1: noting, like, like when we're when we're talking about fandom, um. I think the thing that's most core for both of us is, yeah, we're we're Lewis Hamilton fans, or we might like to see the McLaren team return to its former dignity, or or whatnot. But <laughs> most most of all, uh, not to say that they're completely indignified in the last several years, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, yeah. but I think more than anything else, I think we're both uh, cheerleaders for the sport in general. Oh yeah. And I think also as as American fans, and you're already hearing a little bit of our American bias in that we're talking about it uh, being aligned with the smell of coffee in the morning, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, when the when the European broadcasts uh, are playing in the US, it's usually uh, uh, for me, I'm I'm East Coast. So that's happening at, you know, somewhere between seven and, and nine in the morning. Um, and is it's always been for me, it's either been, you know, a cup of coffee or a screwdriver with, with my F1 race. Yeah. Um, Yep. Little, 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 little more different for you, Corey.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm out on the West coast. So I'm like at times nearly a full day, uh, like I guess behind the race, um, which then like absolutely destroys me for my sleep schedules because, uh, I have been waking up probably since like mid 2012, uh, every single morning, uh, of a race weekend, no matter what time it is, uh, at the start of free practice, I am watching, uh, if I don't watch live, I'll watch within like an hour or two, um. Depending on my other real-world responsibilities, uh, I do have a job, um, so sometimes that doesn't allow me to to get into it uh, as quick as I want to. But it definitely, I love this. Uh, I, I love waking up for it. I love being... Um, being uh, overly tired when uh, when when I start watching a race, sometimes uh, like wiping the sleep from my eyes, uh, still um, as uh, as the lights go out and we go racing, uh, it's it's a it's a very it's a familiar uh, situation. It's a
1: it's a, w- it's a weird thing, like you know, getting up early and like being like I'm gonna wipe the crust out of my eyes during Martin Brundle's grid walk, and yep. you know. And then like that, that sort of excitement builds up. The caffeine is kicking in and, uh, and you're, and, and you're watching the, the, the medical car pull up at the back of the pack right before the lights are set to go out. And it's, it's interesting to get this little like extra surge of excitement that early in your day. Now, of course, not every race is first thing in the morning, but, uh, it's a, it's it, it, for me, it's such a, such a fun part of the, the ritual, of yeah. Formula One, so you know, and that that sort of um, American perspective is something that I I want to keep circling back to, or sort yeah. of checking in on um, periodically, because to me, uh, uh, I don't I don't mean to uh, focus any of our discussion on you know solely through the American lens, but I do think there's a lot to think about there, especially because we're for we're really legitimately seeing a very large surge in attention, um, towards formula one in the United States, which, which, which has always been a very like untapped market for formula one as a sport. And I think, I think there's a a very good chance that over.
0: Like it's a borderline inaccessible. Uh, it seems. I mean, these are the, some of the most brilliant marketing and advertising minds in the world, uh, uh, are, involved with Formula One and they haven't been able Un- to tap this um, American market it's just such a weird I mean yeah.
1: unquestionably unquestionably the pinnacle of motorsport there is no other form of motorsport that is operating at the level that Formula One is and it's uh somehow fallen completely on deaf ears in the United States for for many generations not not yeah. exclusively it's 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 had a intense but, you know, small fan community in the U S but I do sense that it is going to properly break through to the mainstream. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. Talk to me five years down the line and I'll be a cranky old man about it and be like, (laughs) I remember when I remember when nobody knew what I was talking about, but I'm, I'm hoping, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very uh, I'm very excited to see it reaching a wider audience in the U.S. And I'm I'm also just fascinated by the mechanics of how it moves in and and starts to take more of the American audience mind share because um, yeah. I, I think there's some some really interesting dynamics in play there as well.
0: Which I mean, and it's it's been noted um, for sure. I think the Netflix Drive to Survive uh, series has played Absolutely. a huge part of that. Enormous, um, yeah. Uh, of course, and also, I think the the there there are a couple of different things. Um, uh, something that I noticed, of course, like the past couple of years, the world has been pretty much shut down with their doors closed. Uh, and the first people to break free from that and do it in a safe way was Formula One. Um, like that was something that was really, really impressive. Um, and they didn't just do it in a selfish way. There were, they did it in a way that, uh, kept fans as safe as they possibly could, kept teams, kept drivers, uh, kept support staff, uh, factory workers as safe as they possibly could. There were very few, uh, infections. Very, I mean, I, I'm sure that there was some unfortunate death, uh, as it relates to, uh, to the pandemic, but I hadn't, I haven't heard anything. Um, yeah, there was,
1: there was no grand scale outbreaks. Uh, no. everyone made sure that Nikita Mazaspin
0: was, uh, was perfectly safe the whole <laughs> exactly. time. Yeah. Cause very it's important. The most protected and safest, a sacrosanct human being ever <laughs> uh show up in this sport um uh but yeah it was it was really really cool to see that and then just also knowing that uh that they the world was shut down, so they were the only like source of entertainment outside of the n b a but the n b a is a uniquely like u s american sport even though we think it might be like the biggest thing in the world it isn't um, uh, for the world so having like an international sport actually being able to safely uh, uh, operate was just wildly impressive and I think that that I mean quite quite
1: frankly just the operation of the sport and this is maybe something that we can touch on in a later episode but just the the pure complexity of the logistics. Of this insanely complicated billion dollar circus that piles into trucks or planes and moves to entirely different locations Mm -hmm. uh, on a it's almost like having a miniature Olympics that are happening in every different major city around the globe and all of these folks packing up unpacking setting up shop setting up it's such a complex and sophisticated operation from the teams and their headquarters and their offices and their uh elaborate <laughs> setups that they have to even just the the management of the sport and the broadcasting and all of that uh it's a wildly complex beast uh, something very yeah. very fascinating in and of itself and then you know on top of that this incredible Feat of competition and engineering that unfolds in these, in these wild locations, I guess you could say I'm just continuing to gush about my appreciation for, uh, for this sport. So, so uh, Corey, there's a few things that you wanted to touch on uh, today. Where, where, where would you like
0: to start? So uh, I, I wanted to, to just talk about some of these, uh, these moves that happen in the off season, Uh, Of Formula One, there were uh, a couple of uh, personnel changes that took place, but then also there have been some uh, actual rule changes and regulations that if you're a new fan, you will not understand the significance of this. And you probably have heard a whole bunch of terms and phrases and uh, and you're like, well, I don't know what the hell that stuff is. Uh, So. I just wanted to kind of like talk about that stuff. Um, Not to say that like I'm the smartest person ever, uh, but if I had questions about this stuff and I'm a bit of uh, uh, a bit of an obsessive nerd and, like obsessed with the technical aspect of the sport. And I had questions that I can only imagine that the casual fan, like the super casual fan who may have watched one or two seasons of drive to survive and one or two races at the end of this past season, they're like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. So I just wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, uh, but first of all, I I wanted to, to talk about, uh, Otmar Safnauer's uh, uh, his departure from Aston Martin um, was a was a pretty For, big- first
1: off congr- congratulations on excellent pronunciation of that <laughs> uh, 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 sweating bullets over here uh, yeah, on, it's- on that one that one gets me every time.
0: We've got there are so many names that we are going to attempt and butcher and stumble through because we're just a couple of dudes from upstate New York who uh, didn't like we didn't go study abroad. We uh, went we like pretty much stayed uh, on the East Coast Um, and yeah, we've got some culture, but I wouldn't say we're the most cultured human beings on the planet. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna mess up some names. Um, uh, but yeah, it was, it was really interesting to, to see his departure because he was such an important figure visibly, uh, at Aston Martin. And I, I just wanted to, to, to say that before he, before these past couple of years, he, <laughs> Aston Martin's kind of been in, like, a a terrifying, like, death spiral (laughs) Um, uh, for for quite Mm -hmm. some time. So uh, he was brought in to kind of save that team and just kind of, like, make sure that they didn't hemorrhage any more personnel. Um, Because for a while, there were people who literally weren't getting paid uh, when it was back when it was Force India. They were literal – the team was placed in administration, which means basically they were like put on notice that, hey, if you don't still paying your people and paying your bills and contributing, you're not going to be allowed to race. Um, so I think that Otmar's – I
1: mean the the, te- the team had a pretty dodgy few years leading up to that even with prior management being incredibly – Oh, yeah. Um, you know, no- notorious figures, uh, some potentially shady stuff going on a lot of questions about where, you know, where the money is going and, and how this yeah. team is operating and holding it together, which in and of itself in formula one, an enormous challenge, just being able to stay financially afloat. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really, you know, the, they there's gasoline in the engines, but everything runs on money in Formula everything. One. Nothing, yeah. n- nothing gets done uh, without enormous amounts of of capital. And yeah, I mean, amazing to see
0: Otmar uh, come cough. in, uh, Nikita Mazepin, cough, yes, cough. yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, amongst
1: um, amongst others, even you know, um, yes, yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing to see Otmar come in and bring a sense of stability um yep. and and start you know getting getting the team moving in a direction where i think there's been some tremendous optimism around the team so cory what's the like what is the buzz is this is this a otmar is moving on to greener pastures is this um is you know lawrence stroll kicking him to the curb?
0: What's what's going on here? Well, Stroll, it seems like Stroll is kind of... He's the most alpha of alpha males within the paddock, I think, at this point. He's the strong... Amongst,
1: amongst all the team owners, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's just like this strong, silent type, um, but apparently everyone walks on eggshells around him. Um, he's a bit like he... <laughs> uh no disrespect cuz i you know um don't want uh you know i don't want to wake up uh somewhere um but like he seems like a, a supervillain <laughs> um uh he carries himself like a supervillain and um and that is just something that i think he's so ambitious with that team with Aston Martin they've spent so much money on their new uh wind tunnel facility that Otmar just wasn't moving fast enough for him, and he had gone from like this, like worrisome. Hey, we got to make sure the team's okay. To look, get out of the way, buddy. We got some moves to make. Um, but it looks like Otmar might potentially, I guess, maybe land at Alpine. There's a, a chance there, um, just because there's been some some shakeups with Alpine's management as well. They're not. <laughs> Uh, they're non-functioning. Uh, uh I feel like uh Fernando <laughs> Fernando Alonso is like running that team uh more than anybody else. Uh mm-hmm. so there's yep. they especially with Prost leaving as a consultant. Um Alonso's a great racer. He's a great, you know, gearhead. He's got an engineer's brain and will squeeze everything he can out of that car, but I don't think he needs to be running that team and that is kind of what it feels like right now. Um so I think Otmar getting in there and kind of saving, not saving, but <laughs> um preserving uh uh Al Alpine's management and their ability to manage that team, I think Otmar is exactly who needs to be in there. Uh if if I'm honest. So um but yeah, yeah, that's uh that's that's uh, that seems like a pretty big deal to me. Um that was that was the biggest move uh that I saw. And then mm. Crack – uh, is coming in to replace him, uh, I believe. Um, I think that was that was the news. Um, who worked with Vettel before? Back when they were, I think at Toro Rosso. I think they were
1: okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, but he's worked with Vettel before, so there's like some like solid promise there. Um, you know. Uh, hopefully, it's fascinating.
1: There's only so many places to pull these figures from, you know, it's such a, there's so much expertise that's required at this level that I, I sense that nobody's just saying like, Oh, let's just look to, you know, another area in elevated motorsport and pull someone in. It's really, there's so much about the dynamics of formula one that require that sort of a shame. I'd love to see the formula one equivalent of like Ted Lasso, uh, you yeah. know, bumbling in and, well, and saying our, like, oh, my bobsled team was
0: very successful. <laughs> so I think, you know, they, I mean, we just need things that go fast. To be fair, that is what Zach Brown feels like at McLaren. But like, yeah, I mean, Zach Brown is like a, a I mean, he's a he's a dyed in the wool racer. So like he's it's not that yeah. he wasn't involved, but he's just very much from American racing and has an American feel to him. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that's what McLaren needs is that
1: what's what's up with these American guys in Formula One management with Otmar who, you know, despite if you don't know anything about Otmar, he is he is a slice of apple pie American uh,
0: in the mix. Um, Like his uh, name betrays who he, he looks like he would be at. If you walked into uh an Applebee's, this man looks like he would be it would be um, sitting
1: with Zach Brown demolishing
0: ex- yeah, uh, some yeah. waffle fries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for uh, for sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Probably like um uh doted on by several uh servers um that but that is the feel that those two <laughs> men have. Uh but they're they're very much in they're in Formula 1 and they've been like crushing it for the past few years. Which, again, I think is part of that – well, Liberty Capital is now running Formula One, which is an American company. And I think that that whole thing is like we need to appeal to Americans even more. And So Liberty Capital owns the commercial rights to Formula One. So that's all the advertising, all the marketing, all the dollars. Uh, They're in charge of that. So they're pushing – I think to have more Americans in formula one, cause it will appeal to us, right? Like it's delightful watching Zach Brown and Daniel Ricardo, uh, be, uh, a couple of, yeah. uh, 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 Texas boys, right? Like, even mm-hmm. though, you know, Danny is not a Texas boy. He's like a, he's like an Australian, Texas boy, but like, he's not a Texas boy. Um,
1: it's close enough. Close enough. It's, it's rowdy. He's got the rowdiness, uh, oh, yeah. down. Oh, yeah. Um, oh. and, and I think that's, you know, that's what makes him as beloved as he is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that, that, those, those are some of the off season moves. Um, uh, it's mostly around Otmar, um, that once he triggered that, there's just a lot of weirdness that's happening <laughs> at like management levels there. But, um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh um, excited to see uh Joe in there uh as this new driver with Alpha Romeo. Um uh he's I mean he's the first Chinese driver in is it in history, maybe or I don't I don't know that it's history,
1: and I know we've had you know, we've had a Formula One race in uh Shanghai at least fifteen years consecutive yeah, or or whatnot. Um yeah. But yeah, exciting to see, you know, exciting to see a fresh face in the mix. I'm I'm definitely uh, looking forward to seeing how how he throws down. Yeah. As Um, much as
0: we all miss Kimmy. I mean. You know.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, bless him, you know, for lasting as long (laughs) as he did. And I think true to, you know, true to what you would expect from Kimmy's personality. He's just, you know, he's doesn't give a damn in the world what anybody else thinks of what he's doing out there. He's just doing it until, until he decides it's slightly less fun than it was the year before. And then he's, and then he's out. He'll, uh, he'll have a nice season watching uh, while enjoying some ice cream. And like, who knows, maybe he pops back up at some point in the future. Also excited that, you know, we still have Alonzo who I think is our most senior driver. Yeah, uh, Yeah. At the moment. Um yep. sticking around. And I heard him say uh he's he's not, you know, he's by no means looking at it as like this could be my last year. He's thinking, like, no. yeah, as long if they got a seat for me, I got at least three or four more years left in yeah. me, uh, yeah. which I think is is outstanding. Yeah, I'm 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 excited. Especially that. given that especially given that the sport has become increasingly biased towards more youthful drivers and we're continually setting, you know, new records for youngest driver ever in the, in the sport. Um, it's, and I think it's fun to see that blend of ages and personalities and
0: mindsets,
1: uh, brought to the, brought to the sport.
0: Yeah, very much so. And, and and, I mean, that with with that that said i mean i i'm excited to have alex album back in the the back in the mix um it's -hmm. gonna be great to have him uh my god uh i I am such a fan of him just as like a personality within the sport he seems wonderful and just also this year he uh, everyone was like yuki Sonoda started off so hot and like he got so wily and he was over you know over the limit and he needed a driver coach and he needed help and then alex albon stepped in and look at the way yuki finished the season right like yeah dr- like i mean that was one of the strongest most poised drives i've ever seen him do uh um uh the, in the in the end there um and also you know he's he's a hot-headed young rookie so of course he's still got uh that um uh and there's also you his love like- to see
1: it though you you love to see it it's such yeah. a such an important thing to see uh and and something that i think we've seen you know many times uh in every generation of the sport but having these guys that come in and are you know they're they're, they're and it's it's gotten a lot more. Uh, I keep using the word dynamic, but it really has gotten a lot more like varied in the sport than it yeah. used to be. In the Bernie Ecclestone era, Ugh. these guys were, uh, you know, there was this sort of air around Formula One that it was not at all about the personalities of these drivers, not at all about understanding these individuals, and that they all were kind of sent to formula one finishing school and kind of everybody stayed in line and, and, you know, you didn't get, um, much insight into any of their, you know, thought process or emotional state or or any of these components that I think make the sport so exciting to, to follow. And, you know, now seeing that, that mixture, seeing that blend and seeing some of these guys that, that come in and, and especially with, you know, the lens put on the sport through, Netflix's drive to survive um seeing a little more of this emotional component through whether it's you know uh Yuki getting super hot headed or you know Daniel Ricardo you know just wearing everything on his sleeve yeah it's it's yeah. terrific and 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 i I would love to see as much of that as possible yeah
0: um so let's uh let let's wrap this uh little bit of uh kind of new business uh with. Um, just the new regulations, new regulations coming in hot in 2022. That is uh, if you're not familiar with the sports, then it's going to be like, oh, well, the cars just like they look a little different. It's not that different. Uh, but there is this uh, whole issue with outwash and uh uh, that is what you'll you'll hear many people refer to uh when they're saying they got rid of outwash they want the cars to be able to follow a little bit better um ultimately the whole point of f1 cars over the past few years has been to create as much turbulence as is possible so that the cars behind you don't work and that is like kind of the the that was the unsaid thing uh, um, where people were like, oh yeah, it's just really hard to follow. It's really hard to follow. It was specifically designed so that that was the result. So it, I think it's great that these new regulations are coming in because that is kind of some you know some shittery that I would like to see uh, limited as much as possible, um, and uh, they're doing that with. These things called Venturi tunnels uh, utilizing the ground effect, uh, which is pretty simple, um, uh, but it's, a, it's kind of a, a, a tricky concept um, to understand because it's like the way f- physics goes, it's like the same thing that makes a plane fly is what keeps a car stuck to the ground. The same forces that push a plane up into the air uh, are pushing a car down into the ground. Uh, And the way that the Venturi tunnels work uh, basically are just like uh, they've taken uh, the wing of an airplane and turned it upside down uh, and made that the floor of the car. Uh, Last year, uh, not last year, but up until very recently there was just a flat floor you couldn't do anything except for like you see the red bull car kind of looked like it was angrily angled forward that was the most ground effect quote-unquote that they could apply but now they've basically created these channels under the car in order to control that ground effect because what was happening before was that ground effect in quotes here? Uh, was creating so much turbulence that cars behind it couldn't utilize any of the air for their own ground effect. So now they've taken all those, uh, that nasty, hot, disgusting, uh, twisted up air and they're shooting it way up in the sky. And by that, I mean like eh, about two meters up in the air. Um, uh, so like, like six feet in the air. So that the cars can pass nicely and cleanly under them. Uh, So that's like the big change this year is they're just making the air pass cleanly underneath the cars instead of messily over the cars. So that's. Corey, do you you
1: think that's going to improve passing or do you think the mass, the aerodynamic masterminds are going to have some other wrinkle that they've put in there that, you know, Still flings that air angrily directly at the car behind them
0: in a in a way that's going to disrupt I, everyone's critical aerodynamics. You, you can't see me, but I'm nodding aggressively like they're absolutely <laughs> going to find a way to create the messiest, dirtiest air for the cars traveling behind them. And that is what is so fun and exciting about this is because it really these new regulations, I think are probably going to do the most to zero out any team's advantage than any other regulations in modern formula one. Uh, other than like maybe like active suspensions, um, which we all are familiar with because like a lot of our cars have active suspension control at this point, especially luxury cars, folks, that's all from formula one. Um, but it made the cars too good. (laughs) So they banned it because some cars couldn't afford to put it on their vehicles and some cars could. Uh, So now they've done a thing where it's literally just zeroed out the regulations. Um, But people are going to sneak in there. They're going to find little ways of getting there. I I think
1: you, I think you called it perfectly. It's the, uh, you said the shittery. The shittery. The, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Just the shittery. shittery.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: there's uh, there's times where this aspect of Formula One almost frustrates me because it becomes yeah. so complex that these things that are being done to try to encourage greater competition or basically better entertainment yeah. are, you know, uh, undermined. But at the same time, you, you got to love some some top flight shittery happening from the best uh, best there's minds out there. So and good. I think, you know, there's we, we should circle back at some point to just, you know, some highlights of favorite bits of shittery of over the last few years, whether. Uh, brilliant engineering or just, you know, some of the mind games that are played, uh, between, between teams, but there's some, some amazing stuff happening out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Stuff that you wouldn't normally see, but they're like, you know, as, the two of us have gotten too deep into our nerddom here. Um, We've gone back and like read the books and heard the stories and listened to the interviews. And it's like, Oh my God, that was what was happening. I thought that there was just like some weird little hitch in the system. And it's like, no, no, no. That was like designed uh, to trip somebody up deliberately and publicly and in an embarrassing way. Um, So yeah, I think that the new regulations might curtail that, at least for the first few weeks of testing, <laughs> um, but I don't think I think by the time Bahrain rolls around that first race, we're gonna see all sorts of uh weird funky um either designs or we're not going to see all sorts of weird funky stuff that they've done to the cars or the packaging of the motors underneath all of that bodywork. Uh, or maybe those diffusers under the car, there may be some like tricky little veins or, I mean, they may design the carbon fiber to deform, which is what they've <laughs> done in the past as well. Mm-hmm. It's impressive. Yeah.
1: yeah. There's uh, So there's something that's come in this season that I have mixed feelings about, which is the new wheel size. Uh, that's being yeah. brought in we're going up to what what is it eighteen inch wheels eighteen inch season? wheels yeah yeah um which my understanding is the intent behind that is it's purely an aesthetic choice to get the cars like looking a little closer to like the aggressive appearance that we expect from like sports cars and whatnot I mean it will obviously give you a little more room to have some larger brakes integrated in there, Yeah. Um, but I uh, I'm not as excited about it. That's solely because on road cars, I actually I feel like the big wheel trend, you know, the the a Lamborghini Countach came yeah. with 15 inch wheels. And, you know, today, if you were to get a Lamborghini, it's probably like a 21 or 22 inch, you know, yeah. enormous wheel that has this thin little strip of rubber around it. And I I've been hoping that like smaller wheels on big fat meaty tires was going to kind of come back into style because I just I love I love that that look but I also I love that look because it's it's one of those things that is like well I know that that means that the car is actually now more compliant and it it holds yes. the road better with that nice thick sidewall with the the letting the tire be a really active part of the car's suspension. Yep. And I can't imagine what that does for the the suspension geometry of these vehicles going to a much larger wheel which most importantly means a lot less rubber around that wheel, a lot less tire that can control and, you know, be a be a really critical part of the suspension geometry of the vehicle. So I I, I kind of have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I think it looks it looks all right, but quite frankly, like I don't know, to me, Formula One cars, they aren't beautiful objects in the way that they were in the 80s and and 90s. They've turned into these things that, you know, they're they're beautiful, but they're beautiful in the way that the stealth fighter is beautiful. Oh, yeah. the, the stealth fighter looks like a crumpled piece of black paper, but you know that every single crease, every single edge in that thing <laughs> is perfectly optimized yeah. to bounce radio off of it and and yeah. whatnot. And that the Formula One cars they look like these insane, you know, cyber mech insects, and it's because it's all controlling the way the air moves around and through. These vehicles, and and to me, there's a there's an integrity to that. There's not a single team on the grid that would ever say our mission is to have the most beautiful car on the grid this season. Every every team would say, if we get twenty percent uglier for a tenth of a second a lap, uh, no question, we're going to be the ugliest car out there if it gets us gets us around any faster. I,
0: I got to push back a tiny bit on that last point, which is Ferrari i think that ferrari will uh, they not that they would sacrifice um uh beauty for design but oh boy would you hear about it you would hear so Mm -hmm. much. i mean the we will talk about uh back we'll we'll get into more stuff in like more technical episodes but the steeped nose design the way like people lost their minds when the ferrari changed even the slight like the slightest bit of difference in the shape of the nose of the Ferrari and folks, people lost their minds. They really did. They truly like really, really lost it. Um, uh, Specifically the DeFossi, which are the, the formula what, one what year, Ferrari. What year was it when the cars all had dick noses? Yeah, that's it. That's it. It was the I think yeah, 2016, yeah. I think was that Oof. either. 2015 I think was when they changed the nose cone so it might have been 2015 or 2016 yeah you're I saw your face crumb like like you were grimacing as soon as I referenced this so yeah uh that's the I think that's the only team though that would potentially sacrifice some of its uh uh some of its form um or some of its function for form because like oh boy um (laughs) Uh, I I get it. I get it. But I I think it is. you, You also touched on it with the 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 compliancy of the car. They the suspension. The rules around suspension and the design of suspensions got so like nebulous that it got weird. I mean, that was one of the reasons why Mercedes was able to do Their dual axis steering was because there was not enough, uh, actual, uh, focus on, um, yeah, uh, not enough focus on the actual, uh, uh, specifications. So it was like, I mean, I don't mind the, the, the change. I don't mind the change. Uh, I think it'll again, kind of zero things out. Um, especially for some of the smaller teams, uh, that, that need to, uh, uh, need to get on to the same level playing field, or at least as mm-hmm. best they can. Um, but yeah, um, so so those are some of the things that we're going to be talking about, folks, uh, in this upcoming season. Um, uh, but I also uh, let's just uh, real briefly because, like, it's it's fresh on all of. Uh, I mean, the day that we're recording this is Sunday, February sixth. Uh Sir Lewis Hamilton has made his triumphant return to social media after two months of not being all over social media. Folks, what are we gonna do? oh, uh, uh, it was so fun to watch the world lose their shit this morning. Um uh or not this morning, I guess, uh yesterday. Um oh it was so great. It was so great.
1: It's it's uh you know I I'm I'm actually genuinely excited to see him resurfacing after a few months of silence which I think in today's you know day and and times it, it's it's a pretty big deal that he oh yeah disappeared after after the I mean quite frankly I still haven't finished emotionally processing no. No. the the end of the 2021 season um some uh you know fascinating stuff happening there and you know seeing him disappear there's a degree to which i think uh i wouldn't call it a a cry for help but i think it's you know it, it was a very intentional
0: it was an intentional statement
1: loop, for sure Uh absolutely absolutely and at the same time you know and and like It's a, you know, I think there's, there's times where you could look at, look at this sort of stuff and especially with some of these F1 drivers, some of them, the most privileged athletes on earth and, and whatnot, you know, these guys can get a little, uh, a little whiny or a little prissy or, or whatnot, um, when it comes down to it. And I think there's some extent to which, you know, it was Hamilton, uh, having a a little bit of a, a pity party for himself for sure, but I can't I can't fault him. I mean, uh, what a what a heartbreaking end to the previous season. I won't I won't get all into it because it'll spiral out of control. But like you know, such a such a hurtful and challenging closure to the season. And yeah, if if it was you know if it was good uh, if it was chicken soup for the formula one driver soul to step out of the limelight and hear everybody speculating constantly day in and day out about him. If that made him feel just a little bit better about those, the the awful end to the season that he had, uh, then then sure I'll, I'll take it and I'll, and I'll certainly take silence above uh, incessant whining or complaining or any of that, which he effectively yeah. had done none. We've heard, uh, his his uh his team leader Toto Wolf, uh, yeah. go go Toto, pretty hard. Toto's done more uh, than enough
0: incessant whining and complaining. Uh, for I think every person in the sport of Formula One. Um, ugh, what a gross display of. Ugh. Um, I mean, yeah, Toto, you're fine. Also, don't send your goons for me. And if you ever want to hire me, I'm looking for a job. I don't know. Um, uh, <laughs> or just an AMG. If you want to just give me an AMG, I'll take one. Um, uh, I'll stop talking shit that's not true. I'll continue to talk shit. Even if you gave me like the medical, card. it's too
1: much fun to talk. I mean, I love Toto. I think he's, he is awesome. His story, his personal story is amazing, it's Incredible, but it is so much. It is so much fun to talk shit about this guy. It is so much fun to watch him explode, uh, you know, in the, in the pit garage and, and whatnot. And uh it's so it's, wonderful. Uh, yeah. And um, I guess, you know, I'm not, I'm not even remotely surprised that he was, you know, treating it as though, uh, it was going to be a giant, you know, legal battle to fight through this when everyone knows it's, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, and you know, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this is something that you want to light me up for later down the line, but I'll, (laughs) I'll just, I'll just really quickly lob this out there into, into the ether. Uh Uh, there is very much a part of me, That if I was in Massey's seat and I was watching this insane season come to a close, that's been the most thrilling and exciting gladiator battle that we have seen in decades
0: in this sport. Certainly in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was
1: the season of a lifetime for sure. Uh, we've never seen this level of back and forth competition, uh, good racing, not as much of these guys gloves off going at each other, but we got a few moments over the course of the season,
0: which is but what we needed. Final,
1: we love to see it. Yeah. We can't get enough of it. What are I, you- I can't, I can't get enough of it. And in that final race, we saw a bit of it. And it was great and it was amazing. and It was mesmerizing. I mean, it was climactic action happening in the final race of the season. Yeah. And to have, if I had my finger on the button and it was my job to choose, finish this race behind the safety car or find some way, any way to get another 90 seconds of excitement out of the season. I would have a tough time walking away from the roulette table. I would, I would, I would be there. And I would be saying, let's, let's, what's what, what what's everybody want to see? They want to see these this gladiators sprawl. They don't want to see them me, get rained out. This
0: is driving me crazy, John, that you feel this way. Um, all right. Um, uh, we're, folks, we're going to get into this a whole lot over the course of this. <laughs> oh, over the course of this season, we are going to talk a lot about that. And then we'll talk a lot about other stuff too. But I mean, I just, I'm just going to say this. If you want to finish the race under race conditions, and you want to change the rules, red flag the race, and then restart with a couple of hot laps. That's it. If you can change the rules uh, to change the safety car rules, then you can change the rules for the red flagging of the race as well. You can go, Oh, I don't know. Maybe the barrier was damaged when Latifi went. I don't know. We should red flag. I don't know who, who knows safety first ever. The whole mm-hmm. world's watching. So, I, uh, no. No, 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 I no, no no. I
1: I agree. Yeah. That makes that makes a ton of sense. I just imagine that it wasn't there wasn't that much control and and foresight put into it. It was all emotions raging, and I guarantee that Massey yeah. went from the roulette table to the exit of the casino with his hands in his pockets, like twitching like crazy. Like he went back and forth between the table and the yeah. exit like three yeah. times before yeah. he was like, "I'm doing it. I'm going to spin one last time. Let's just let's just do it. Let's just let." Let it all ride. What? Come on. Nightmare. No one will. No one will think less of me. No Every, one will. Everyone. No one will be deeply furious. No one will say that
0: this entire sport is a charade. So, if, I, if I make this call. Just as like a compass point here, there should be just and like a, a moment of reflection, I think, for all fans. And we can we can get out of here on this, John. But as a reflection uh, for everyone in the f- entire sport. If the only person who thinks you did a good job is Christian Horner, you did not do a good job. You didn't. If he's the only person, mm, I'm sorry, dude. That's not the guy you want in your corner. That's not. It just he isn't.
1: I do I do not uh I do not defend uh Massey's actions. I do not think they were a good move. I just uh, I I can sympathize with the impulse to to just ring a few last. I mean, this season was so good. It was it was it so was. good, and and it was honestly like I was so unbelievably excited when I realized that they were going to do that one final lap
0: of so racing. I, I stood up and was I was so to-
1: excited i I am not a scream at the television at sports type of guy, and I scarred my kids for life yeah. i I put my nose against my l g flat screen, <laughs> and I like I blew spit all over the television, I was frothing at the mouth, I was yeah. screaming, I was jumping up and down. I was going absolutely berserk because it was I couldn't I couldn't handle the fact that after this season, after all this tension buildup, yeah. it was all going to come down to this this final lap. I could it was this unbelievable
0: final, fixed
1: to manipulated
0: to garbage last lap all right uh and it, all it didn't, right. It and it
1: didn't it didn't it didn't and it didn't even go the way i wanted it to i know uh, but no. uh, but that's my that's my i i wave that as my flag that i yeah. can be a yeah a, unbi- a a passionate fan for for lewis hamilton but also have you know have other Biases that I can factor into play. So, well, see, this uh, is this we, is the
0: difference between us. Is as as someone who's <laughs> like obsessed with like rules and technicalities. No, you can't do that. You can, if we got to end the race. Look, I would have loved to see it end just as it did. But like, I mean, you, you got to follow the rules, baby. You got to follow the rules. Uh, you gotta, um, okay. All right. Uh, Yeah. I think,
1: I think, I, I, I I agree. Red flag would have been the, would have been the move. It would have equalized Hamilton and Verstappen. That's it. It That's it. Hamilton wouldn't have been a sitting duck. Um, and, and even as a sitting duck, uh, Hamilton almost got the lead back. He almost got it back. Which is unbelievable. Absolutely so that, amazing I mean, and incredible that he could do. That. And, and quite frankly, I'm a little disappointed in Hamilton that he wasn't able to just do the best blocking of his, his career. Entire you know, career. like, because yeah. uh, uh, these guys, you know, we've seen them do it before. It's it's yeah. not uncommon that it takes it th- that that you have a sitting duck in front of you and it still takes five laps to get around.
0: Yeah one of these guys, um, but yeah, it, look, it was, look, look at, look at Esteban Ocon and then, uh, Fernando, like they both did yeah. amazing jobs defending when their cars were inferior and no disrespect, but they were inferior. And then also they had worse tires. So they both, Defended against Hamilton, I just all right. We, mm-hmm. we we can't we we gotta end this. It's we're at an hour. <laughs> um. uh All right, folks. Uh. So hey, this this has been awesome. This has been so much fun. Um. So uh, I know it's 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 still literally the 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 season has not even begun. We've got uh, Haas just revealed their livery. Uh. Not even like a full car reveal. We've got Red Bull revealing their car in a couple of days on the ninth, I think is when their reveal. Um, and then just a, just a stacked uh, reveal after reveal, after reveal right up until winter testing. John, I got to ask, who do you think is going to win this whole damn thing without seeing any actual real cars? <laughs> who, who do you think's going to win this thing?
1: You know, uh, it's, it's tough. I think, I think Mercedes going to going to have it in the bag again. I think there's a chance that maybe they're not the hottest car out there. Mm -hmm. But I think Lewis Hamilton has never had a he he will be the most motivated. We will have seen him in his entire Career. We are talking the greatest driver of the modern era. Potentially. Whether you agree or not, the 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 potentially the most motivated already.
0: Potentially. I mean, quite possibly already the most motivated driver.
1: I I think Hamilton has been very mature in Mm -hmm. recent years, and it's it's been brilliant to see him excel while displaying this level of maturity and wisdom and poise that he has brought to his his excellence and grace and I and think grace.
0: he I mean yeah. he, him like straight up at where was it was it at the the um, the Red Bull Ring where he was like wow Lando's such a great driver man one of the best which is like that dude like almost ruined your race and you were still like that that man is going to be one of the greats. Like that is.
1: I, I think we're going to see, we're going to see that demeanor on the surface. Yeah. And I think we're all going to be able to see under the surface, this boiling fever that we haven't seen since his earliest years in the sport where he is going to be possessed to ensure that he makes a statement about what happened last season. And the only statement that he's going to make will not be into a microphone. It will be with his car crossing the finish line. And he's, he is going to do everything within his power to remind everyone that he is, he is the living legend uh, that, that he, that, that has been presented to us in seasons past. And I think uh, we, we may see, and even you know, uh, uh, one can hope that Verstappen, you know, uh, has some of that. I think his fire is is nowhere close to extinguishing. No, He's a no. much much more fiery driver and personality. And I think we'll see them locking horns again. Mm-hmm. But I I'm curious to see also is are we going to see McLaren step back into the battle? finally and, yeah. and really start throwing down um are we gonna see uh leclerc show up and get tangled into the mix i
0: i genuinely if if hamilton doesn't win it this year this is my prediction if hamilton doesn't win it this year i think it's going to be carlos signs if ferrari mm. has a phenomenal car uh historically with ferrari drivers the junior driver Always outshines the senior driver, especially when like there's a tight turnaround and Ferrari showed real, real gusto at the end of last year when they were like, Hey, we're going to bring an upgrade. And everyone's like, why are you bringing an upgrade? The cars are done. And they were like, let's just see what we can do. And their car was like a far superior vehicle. And Carlos was crushing it in every race. In every single qualifying session for the second half of the season, he destroyed. And I think that if Ferrari has a car that is even on par with Mercedes, I think it's going to be real tough for Hamilton to beat Sainz. Not even Verstappen. I mean, Verstappen, I think is he's a gem. He's a great driver. He's very talented. Leclerc is also very talented. But I think that Carlos Signs is going to, destroy the field this year uh that's that's my prediction if he doesn't come in second he'll come in first wow yeah Yeah.
1: wow that's a huge that's a huge call right there i love it i think that's i think that's fascinating i would love to see carlos signs uh you know just uh get into into a more dominant position in the sport i think he's got he's got all the right attributes um sounds sounds awesome to me
0: yeah all right, bud. Well, um, uh, let's uh, let's reconvene next week uh, after we've got uh, another uh, car that's been uh, uh, rolled out, and a uh, car too. I think it's a couple. I think we may even record the day of a, a reveal. Is there a reveal? A reveal next Sunday? Are you looking at the screen right now? We're just.
1: I'm trying to find it. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have it up in front of me. I'm playing I Miss mean, Pac-Man over here.
0: I'm just Yeah, gonna... that's that's what's happening, right? Um yeah, I don't, also uh John, I don't want to edit these. Uh I don't think we're going to edit these uh for like time. We may edit them for content, but I don't think we're ever going to edit <laughs> these for time. Um uh so uh folks, thank you so much for joining us for the uh inaugural uh pseudo trailer episode of the F1 Files. Uh John, uh where can folks Find you online if you would like to be found.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm most active on Twitter. You can find me at Johnny Motion, J O H N N Y M O T I O N, and uh, you know, hit me if you have any, any, any questions, any comments, any thoughts, anything that you'd like to hear us talking more about on the F1 Files.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I am burn Corey burn on the social media there. Uh, I'm very active on Twitter and also slightly less active on Instagram by that same handle, but you can find me there too. Yeah. Uh, hit us up with questions, hit us up with requests. We, uh, are excited to, oh, this is so gross, but we're excited to engage with the formula one fan base in the United States of America. Um. Well, we're we're excited to to meet and greet you, and maybe even see you folks out at some races uh, this year. Uh, because hey, we've got how many on the continent? We, we we got some races. We got some races coming our way. We we got Miami. uh uh, the miami grand prix we got uh the the montreal the canadian grand prix is returning we've got austin coming back and we've got mexico city so we got four races on this continent in america um that that's pretty awesome it's amazing yeah yeah uh and we're making making a good showing rumor has it there may be one in vegas uh in a couple of years too so we may end up with five races what all right (laughs) thank you so much for listening folks we will catch you next time on the f1 files